it. Wait turn on the radio. My homie got a new show and it's time to play it's it though. Play I it hope right. you got in tune. Got he talking bigger business. Big he make business. a lot of moves. Lot of we talking Scott Katoon. I'm saying, wait a minute. Turn on the radio. Welcome to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Give a quick shout out for my baby girl, Vivian, who is sitting with my mother in the green room right now. Vivian, what have you have to say? That warms my heart. Um, we've got a big show for you guys today. Action-packed, lots of stuff. I would love participation. We've had a couple shows in a row uh, with a lot of Twitter action, a lot of texting, a lot of calling in here. Uh, the number for you to dial, 312 312- 981-7200. You can text it or you can call in. I'm going to reserve a little bit of time at the end of the show if anyone has any good questions. I think we've got some good stuff for you. I'm going to bounce all over the place because this is a Super Bowl edition, so I've tried my best to tie in a little bit of the Super Bowl play into this. Um, we'll see how it goes. So here's the deal. As you know, back after the show, Startup Showcase, we've got a call in from a cool company uh, that should be interesting. Um, I guess if you want to think about it ahead of time, Thinking about healthy snacks. I have my own opinion about why and where people pick the foods they do that, like, we say we want to have healthy, but, like, we really don't actually, like, at all. Uh, we'll see. I, I have no idea. Maybe they'll, they'll change my mind. Uh, here's what I've got for you, though. So, first off, if you want to tweet and, and do all of that stuff with me, I will try to do the best to keep up with it during the show. And, of course, afterward, we'll post all the links. Uh, it's just at Katoon or at Technori. Just DM me directly. It's on Twitter, Instagram, wherever, wherever you are playing. Um, and then, as I said before... Uh, 312-981-7200 here. So in the past few shows, we've been talking about our Y charts kind of market talk. Uh, that will continue here. Another shout out to my friends at Y charts for setting this up for us. Uh, in the last episode, I talked a little bit about cloud and why I like that for startups and I like that for companies. And that's kind of to me, um, one of the reasons why the software world and the tech sector has outperformed everything over the past, well, really decade, but even this year, it's just been, you know, everyone is doing well except for this past Monday or past week, uh, but they have done exceptionally well. So now I want to talk about why a little bit. This is where you're welcome to, to chime in if you've got companies or questions or things that, that may go into this. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go into the necessarily into the deep, deep woods on the stock prices and EPS and that kind of stuff. I just want to kind of stay high level. Um, the, the main reason why cloud is so important is it creates sort of three things uh, for companies that want to exist in the future. Predicting, prediction models, automation, and data integration. We are past the day of talking about big data and being like, oh, what's that? It's not, it's not a, a question anymore. It's everywhere. Every movement you make on earth, everything you click, everything you look at, Every scans you make with your eyes on your phone collects some sort of data. And companies use that data, for good or for bad, <clears throat> they use that data for the purposes of predicting future movements. And you can even go so far as talking about all of the quant traders and, and the hedge funds that have sort of risen and fallen as a result of predictive models. But all of that stuff is completely necessary with regard to having data. And if you're a business, you're, let's, you know, let's look at a company you know, Salesforce, which we'll talk about in a minute. If you're Mark Benioff... And the rest of the crew at Salesforce, you need to know, especially if you're a public company, you need to know where your business is going to be in a month, a day, a quarter, two quarters, a year, five years. And you need to know not only from like a product standpoint, like what people are going to use, but you also need to know, are they going to buy you and who might be competitors? Why might they buy you? Might not, might, they might, might not buy you. Um, you want to create predictive models that tell you sort of, am I on pace? It gives you visibility uh, into your company's future. Automation 
is kind of a multi-sided piece as well. Automation is something that will save money for companies as they don't have to use so many human beings for every single task. It doesn't mean they get rid of the people. It means that they empower people to do more with less. Uh, But automation is also something that's going on where computing power is taking place on servers in the back room of these companies 24-7, running models, running uh, mathematics, running all kinds of scans on things, on data, and playing through equations that sort of uh, plug into algorithms that tell them things. It may be something as simple as telling them what kind of content you might want to consume or what kind of products you're buying or what you're doing with them or what you could do with them. Or literally, it could be an entire investment for making predictions based on anything that they have access to from a data standpoint. And of course, there's the data integration component. Data is coming in from so many different angles. It could be from your Facebook page. It could be from you walking down the street. It could be from buying habits. It could be from things you sign up in and out of all the stores that you shop in in your life. There's a lot of things. All of that has to be put together in an organized fashion that can be pulled upon, assessed, measured, and turned into a usable piece of information, a story, if you will, uh, by every person who works at almost every company that plans to be in business in the future. That's why cloud is important. I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about how that is put in play in the future and what companies are, in my opinion, on the cutting edge of this. And despite whatever happens in the recession, potential recession, potential pullback for any number of reasons, why those companies may still be very important and good investments. And also maybe what might be a trigger as to when you should buy or not buy. So uh, when we come back with that, feel free to call, text in, and and we'll do our best to handle that. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Okay, so we were just talking about sort of the why on the cloud piece. Now, here's what I want to tell you. The winners all have something in common. There's a holistic strategy that includes cloud, content, and data management. And if you're one of the top one percenters, the Apples, the Googles, the Microsofts of the world, Amazons, you have a product. The product is obviously key because it's it completes the whole cycle. I've got a product. That product connects with content. That content and actions that you're doing create data points. Those data points are stored, collected, reused, and sent back to you. That is something that all of the best companies have. And I'll, and I'll give you an example. We've mentioned some of these things in the past, but I'll, I'll dive in a little more. I'm just thinking of like esports in general. To me, I I think it's going to be just absolutely huge. One of the biggest signals of that was Google just signed an exclusive. Uh, YouTube partnership with Activision, which is all your 2K sports games that your kids are playing, and or you're playing if you're if you're cool. Um, and what they're trying to say is that the streamers are creating unbelievable content, and it's very unique and an original content. I think I don't need to repeat this. I think everyone is aware of this. The billions of dollars being spent by Apple and Netflix and Amazon and others to create unique, cool content. That stuff is really hard to create in a way that people are going to love it consistently. I mean, that's a billion-dollar bet that it's going to go well. I'm going to talk about it in a second about a company that is making another billion-dollar bet, which you're going to learn about at the Super Bowl. We'll get back to that. Um, this concept of people playing games that are human, real, meets fantasy create an unlimited, an infinite number of combinations of things that can take place that are entertaining. People, real people can have an emoji of their face that's in a game that does something that is unworldly. It's not even human. Can't be done. Um, it's fantastical. And that's fascinating and it's cool. And what happens here is you've got companies like Google. Obviously, I just mentioned you've got Microsoft Mixer, 
Microsoft Mixer just made some big announcements buying away original content creators, people that maybe you wouldn't know. If you're in esports or you're in, uh, in general gaming, you would know this. Uh, but a handful of, of major people who are just Joes and Janes to you and I, who are now creating incredible content that is driving hundreds of millions of views, tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars, are being bought to leave Twitch, which is owned by Amazon, which is kind of the OG in the game streaming space, and move over to Microsoft Mixer, because they realize, Microsoft realizes, if they bring these people over, boom, that's that one percenter piece, right? The holistic piece, they got everything. They sell you an Xbox, they sell you a phone, maybe they sell you a laptop. They watch you stream, they get your numbers, your data, your emails, they remarket, they sell that, they sell advertising in it. You are part of the flywheel cog. And it's nothing to be upset about. That's it's we're done with that. We're past that. I mean, obviously, there is regulation, which we'll talk about in a second about Facebook that impacts that. But it's it's we're past it. So now, what am I looking for? I'm looking for companies that have a major role because because we only named like four companies there, right? And those are obvious. Though well, three of them, four of them have dabbled in the trillion dollar mark. Three are above it right now. That's not a shock. But what about the companies that enable that? We've talked about Navita in the past. We've talked about. Um, a handful, Activision was one we just mentioned. We've talked about a handful of the gaming ones. What about Salesforce? What about Adobe? I think those are gigantic. Both of them are respectively about 3% down at the close on Friday. I don't think that's a pullback enough that I would buy low. But those are two companies, and those are also gigantic companies, by the way, uh, that if the market pulled back as much as 5 8 10%, and of course, if the whole market, and there's a, a semi-recession that takes place, that's a different story, those are great buys at 5 to 7% down. I would buy those in a heartbeat. Why? Because to create all of this content, to create content requires multiple people from the talent in front of it to the people behind the scenes like Ashley here producing the show, like the people who are creating the graphics in real time and throwing them up on ESPN or wherever you're watching your sports or your, your shows. Those people create content on Adobe. Adobe Cloud enables them to seamlessly create it, and it also enables them to buy tools and algorithms that make creating content faster and more seamless. That has to happen in order for the rest of this to happen, which is the content world. Salesforce, as an example, and there are others uh, in this space. We, we talked about this, lo- uh, what, two, three weeks ago now. Local company Sprout Social, one IPO. They enable distribution of content and kind of a CRM for social media. Salesforce is the tool that all of these businesses are using to harness the data, to sub-segment, retarget, and redistribute the data. Now, if I'm a content company like Netflix, I'm using it for in drip campaigns and trying to get you to subscribe, blah, 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 blah. But if I'm a business, I'm sending you a newsletter about whatever product you're buying. You were just listening to the show, the David Hochberg show. They're using Salesforce to send you a campaign after you listen to the show because they know that you listen to the show that says, Hey, Tom's looks like you need a new roof and here's some people you should talk to. And then you click on that. You put your email in it and it goes right back into the circle. And now they have predictive analytics to say, we've done some research on the numbers and names we have. I'm not saying they do this, but most, you know, good, smart companies do. They can backflow your information to find out if you're who you say you are, and then they can figure out whether or not you're a reasonable client, and all the algorithms will tell them that they should be talking to you. This is all of the companies that I think are in it for the long haul, and regardless of the market, are completely essential in a future economy. 
Those are companies I'm looking at. One company that I think stands out is maybe potentially a question mark. We talked about Spotify buying the Ringer or in talks to buy the Ringer podcast. We just saw a gigantic investment in Barstool Sports by a gambling group. Content's key. Original content is key. And that's one of the questions for me on the, on the Facebook part. So Facebook itself is growing somewhat. Depends on who, who, you know, depends on what numbers you listen to in their recent fourth quarter call. Instagram is keeping them afloat. Facebook works. Is, is going backwards. It's, it's losing people in a market where even Slack, which is this comp, it's, you know, the comp to Facebook works for businesses, uh, is not doing that well, at least in the markets. And they're all competing with Microsoft Teams, which is a whole other thing. Facebook is dealing with regulation. I'll tell you what, I think the biggest thing going against Facebook, other than the obvious cybersecurity thing, uh, which by the way, all of you listening here, there was an, uh, a $500 million settlement with Illinois for users, so you pay attention to what happens in your mailbox. You may end up with a couple hundred dollar check courtesy of our, our good friend Zuck. Um, but Facebook is losing, in my opinion, the content battle. They don't, they don't have original content. Even Snapchat has figured out a way to put original content in play. Facebook has what we contributors put together, but how many Gary V videos or Scott Cattoon videos can you watch of me standing behind the same background saying the same jargony stuff and some of it's good, but in order for me to stay on my game, I've got to con- com- complete and put out more and more and more. It just becomes sort of noise. And in in comparison to the esports and the creators on YouTube and on Twitch and on Mixer and all these other streaming devices who are creating content that is half mystery fantasy world and half reality and completely unpredictable... And not to mention, very, very creative with all of the different apps and tools that we can use to create content in real time. How does that of Facebook and Instagram compete? To say nothing of the fact that you've got TikTok and the newest one, Byte, which is a redo of Vine, for those of you I mentioned it last week, it was the number one in the App Store. How do they compete with that? I'm not sure they can. And guess what? Here's the big one. There's a new entrant to the table. A new new party has joined. And, and here's the thing. You can learn about them on Sunday. Super Bowl ad, I've heard that they're taking out a really cool Super Bowl ad, and you can learn about sort of what they are. It's called Quibi. Um, it's a gigantic, I mean, there's a billion dollars plus that's been invested in this in content. And they're creating content, unique shows uh, with people you know, Hemsworth and all these actors you know, that are built specifically to be watched on your phone. When you turn your phone in different directions, the content actually looks differently. The shows are 9, 7, 14 minutes long. They're meant for you to consume in a unique way, and they're built with real actors and real you know real production crews real directors real writers how does and i'm not saying that's going to work i really do think it is going to work but like how does a a regular person compete on facebook and instagram which ultimately if people aren't scrolling through your stuff then you're not on facebook and facebook's ad revenue goes down and then they lose i i think facebook's going to have to deal with some stuff and you're going to see quibi uh with its grand unveiling at the super bowl uh, with an ad that runs, I think it's in the first half. Um, so you should check that out. And of course, we're gonna we're running up against our commercial break here in a second. So I, I have to give out a Super Bowl prediction. I mean, that's like a must, right? I, I, this would not be a pre-Super Bowl show without a Super Bowl prediction. But in in natural Technori Scott tech style sip of coffee, I have to do this in a cool way. So here's how I'm gonna do this. We ran an Xbox Madden game simulation of the Super Bowl. Okay, because that's that's what cool people do now, and we're talking about esports, right? So you got to do it. 
And this was successful the last three years. I don't, I don't, I, I'm not believing my own results here, but I'm going to go with it and give it to you. So speaking of esports and Super Bowls, the simulation on Madden picks the 49ers D to just simply outmatch the Chiefs. In the simulation game, the 49ers beat the Chiefs 20 to 7. And I will add that there's a, this was posted online so you can find it. Uh, Rich, if we're right about this, this is craziness. Richard Sherman intercepts the football in the last play thrown by Patrick Mahomes downfield, and that's how they end the game. If that actually happens, um, I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket. But here's my personal personal feeling on this. I already have distrust of Andy Reid, so I, I, just, I just do. And I'll make this quick. Patrick Mahomes, quarterback of the Chiefs, has literally, this is not me being a fanboy, he has literally never had a bad game. Look at his stats, ever. He's never had an actual bad game. Jimmy G, Rolling Meadows own, little shout out to the Illinois boy, has had several. In fact, some of his games he throws like five passes. So it's hard for me to believe this simulation, but I'm going with it. So my prediction is because Mahomes has never had a bad game, and then he did in the simulation, I'm going to stick with the simulation calling the 49ers defense out. They're going to win 20-17. to 17. Mahomes will have a better game in real life than he did in the video game. And Jimmy G will continue to be the luckiest man on the planet. That's a fact. This dude, his life, I don't even, like, if you know Jimmy G, Rolling Meadows, Eastern Illinois, Patriots, Bench, three games, gazillion dollar contract, Super Bowl. Like, ridiculous. That's my prediction. My prediction on the stocks, as I mentioned, is a recap before we go to break here, and we're going to come back with the startup showcase. My prediction on the stock is that there will be a little bit of a market pullback that continues. I don't want to get into the Trump thing, but I do think that with them not calling witnesses, it's going to be business as usual, whether you are for that or against it. And the stock market will continue. If there is a slight pullback, 3 to 5%, you would not be in the worst interest. Keep in mind, I'm not a financial advisor. Do not count this against me. This is just my own personal moron opinion. Picking up on Adobe, picking up on a Salesforce is not going not gonna to hurt you. Salesforce is down a little bit, 3.5%. I think that's actually a good flip there. I do think Facebook is going to struggle a little bit. And, of course, God only knows what our friend Elon Musk is going to continue with, with, the, with the Tesla run. So that's my call there. If you have any questions, you have any calls, you have anything, you can tweet at me, at Katoon, at Technori, and you can text and call WGN Radio, and we will hold the spot for you to talk on the back half of the show towards the end. The number, 312-981-7200. We will be back after this. Alrighty, welcome back to WGN Radio AM 720. I'm Scott Katoon. You are now tuning into the Startup Showcase portion of the show where we have a company that's going to be hopping off the elevator and give us a live pitch right after this. Ryan, are you there? I am here. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Okay, so I was scrolling through uh, your Republic campaign and getting very hungry as I did so. Uh, for those <laughs> of you listening along, uh, you can go to republic.co slash buff, B-U-F-F, dash bake, B-A-K-E, Learn a little bit about this company. Ryan, why don't you give us the pitch on what the company is? I'll follow up with a few questions, and we'll go into the terms and the opportunity. Okay, sounds great. Fire away. So, yeah, so what we noticed, you know, obviously Americans love to snack, but we don't always choose uh, the healthiest or best options when it comes to snacking. A lot of this is probably due to misleading benefit branding um, and complicated nutritional panels. So there are health foods available out there, but they often lack the taste kind of we crave doing during snack time. 
So at Buff Bake, we came up with the solution to make healthy, delicious snacks that really appeal to the masses. So we take that traditional snacking items and we turn them into healthy, protein-rich, gluten-free treats that um, that have nutritional benefits and don't harm our health. So lower in sugar, much cleaner and cleaner labels, no artificial sweeteners or, or ingredients, um, and we tend to use nut butters in all of our products as that was the uh, original foundation that we built on through uh, our consumers. So we really have two products. We have a uh, Better For You bar, which is a high healthy fat keto-based uh, nutritional bar. It's uh, got all the health benefits you can imagine, plant-based protein, four grams of carbs, only one gram of sugar. We sweeten with monk fruit as opposed to uh, artificial sugars like our erythritol. Um, and then we also make a protein crunchy cookie, which um, is a nut butter filled cookie. Think of uh, think of a nut butter meets uh, Oreo, but better for you. Uh, and it's about 220 calories for the pack. There's four little cookies that come in a pack. Again, they're filled with nut butter, no sugar, alcohol, and they are by far the newest innovation in the set and give us a, a great leg up on our uh, competitors. Um, Brittany, you've joined us now, uh, co-founder of this. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the backstory of why you got into this? Okay, yeah. Um, it's nice to meet you. Um, so we we started this company because we felt the need to, well, I, I love snacking. I love um, sweet treats. And for me, I wanted to make something that was not just healthy, but also delicious. And I think that there's a huge lack of that, you know, tasty, healthy product out there. So initially when we started, we started with uh, buffins, protein muffins. Um, we called them buff muffins. And uh, we were making nut butters at the time. And the main focus was just to, to find something that was going to replace, you know, the everyday snacks. Like, I love those chewy bars, but they're packed with sugar. And then some of our, as Ryan mentioned, some of our other competitors, while they have protein, they um, they have too many calories or too many carbs or, you know, it's, it's not enough healthy fat. So I think that's really what inspired us um, to, to start this. <laughs> so obviously there's a lot of competition in this space. There's a lot of um, pieces of this puzzle that have to be put together that almost have nothing to do with the product itself. It's it's placement, it's location, it's it's targeting a market. Uh, I had the the fortune of growing up with um, Peter Rahal, who is the founder of RX Bar, which I'm sure you're aware of. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, I've learned mm -hmm. a lot about Peter and about the journey, knowing Peter to get to the point that they exited for 600 million to Kellogg's. And they sort of set the tone and, and kicked the tires off on a race that sent everybody down the, the nut bar, uh, you know, world of like, we can make something that's clean and good, too. Um, but a lot wow. of them have had a hard time getting traction or differentiating. What What are the things, if you had to say, name like two or three things that you have to get right in order for this to work, what would that be? Ooh, sure. Um, I, mean, I, I mean, I think you... If I'm, I'm, I'll you name are, one and Ryan can name one. I think the first and foremost thing is taste. We put taste above all else. Uh, that, I would say, is number one. Ryan, what would you say number two would be? Yeah, I, I think it's controlled distribution. Um, you look at some of uh, some of the brands, and they try to grow too fast, too quick, and it's like throwing spaghetti at a wall and uh, seeing what sticks. <laughs> and we've really we've we've focused our approach and our partnering with retailers that we really believe um, 
that we can grow with. A great example is our business with 7-Eleven. We started with 92 doors here in Southern California. We've since expanded to over 500 doors. We're competing alongside um, our two largest competitor, competitors, Quest and Lenny and Larry's. So, you know, controlled distribution um, and making sure you, your sales are strong in those channels is really important. I would. I want to add a third. A third to this, which I think is, um, I think it's pretty key. I mean, the the piece of this that has been a trouble. Well, it's been an attempted troubleshoot by a bunch of these different companies. We've had a, a bunch of bars here in Chicago. Jimmy Bar is another one that comes to mind. Um, yeah. Is the target demographic? So, uh, am I fair in assuming here that your your target demographic is going to be people between the ages of twenty something? and early 40 that are somewhat health, health conscious. I know you guys have a deal with Whole Foods as well. Like, yeah. Or are you in the world of trying to convince people that they should try something clean? Because I this is this is the fat guy in me coming out right now. I, I don't <laughs> go into 7-Eleven. Like, there's a strong probability that if I go into a 7-Eleven, I could be convinced to get one of those disgusting hot dogs on the rollers. I'm that guy. There's no chance that I walk in that I'm going to be like, I might get something healthy. Like if I went into 7-Eleven, I came in to, to do some do some damage. There are people out there, on the other hand, who only eat healthy. And so for them, you're giving them an option at 7-Eleven to remain eating healthy. But the where I think a lot of the bars, and, and this isn't just bars. We've talked to people who have all kinds of other products that are, are similar to this. And, and some of these brands are gigantic, like offshoots of Kellogg's, like uh, Joy Bowl. Um, that, that they have to understand exactly who they're catering to and they've got to win them over in droves before they look to at all try to uh, convince anyone to, to switch their habits. And I, I notice, I know with you guys that you're trying to make a, a protein that has been tasty and it's, it's built around taste, but if you don't make that core audience and build a core audience, which I know we'll get into the social media numbers, you clearly are trying to do this. Um, if you don't get a core audience of people who literally live and die by your snacks, it's nearly impossible to, to, to spin other people who would not be into this. Is that a fair assessment? And how do you, I mean, obviously I see the numbers on social media, but how do you engage with people and make them be advocates for you? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. You know, we really, we really have two products. We have our fuel bar, which is much more geared towards the, uh, the athlete-minded individual, but then we have our protein crunchy cookies, which are much more geared towards the snacker. So it is the everyday consumer who goes into a 7-Eleven. Maybe they're looking at a a large soft cookie and we're sitting right next to it, and it's a better option versus that. So it's it's converting that customer slowly to kind of make better choices um, when possible. And Brittany, on the social piece, um, you guys have over 250,000 followers and influencers and people involved in this. I am a big fan, obviously, um, mm-hmm. of companies that take an approach this Thank way. You. What is, yeah. uh, what, what do you, what, why have you taken that approach versus saying focused on just the distribution channels directly? Um, I think for me, I like the, I like the aspect of social media because we can go, we're essentially going directly to the customer. We get to speak directly to our customers and we get instant feedback. I mean, when we initially started, one of the great things about doing farmer's markets is you get feedback immediately. And that, that goes for social media too. We get to, we get to hear what our customers want 
And then we get to give it to them. And that's exactly how we ended up with the fuel bar. I mean, we, we literally made a list of everything that everybody has asked us for, and we turned it into a product. So I would say that's, that's probably the most important thing about social media. No, totally agree. And I, by the way, I love the, the fuel bar as a concept. Um, <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about the opportunity here to invest. So you guys have raised a little over 20,000. <clears> You've got a long way to go as far as time. There's like 50 plus days left. Um, about 55 investors. Deal terms here to go over $8.5 million valuation, 20% discount, minimum investment of $100. For those of you who listen to the show, you can go to republic.co slash register uh, and register to be able to invest in these. The rest of you can go to republic.co slash buff-bake and you can look at the term sheet yourself. I'll share it on social at Twitter, or on Twitter, at Katoon or at Technori. Uh, talk to me a little bit about <clears throat> the valuation and why this. I mean, you could talk a little bit about why equity crowdfunding, but in particular, uh, yeah. why is this a good investment? What do you, what do you need the money for next? What should people expect? Sure. Um, you know, we think it's a good investment. I mean, you, you brought up the, the company RX bar and that's obviously the unicorn. They, they sold to Kellogg for 600 million, which is about a five time multiple of their sales at the time. Yep. And obviously we're nowhere close to that right now, but, but the goal is to grow the business strategically and increase sales year over year so that we can be in a position to uh, exit at some point. Can we talk, do you mind if we um, talk more about that exit point? Sure. Because um, I think this is a fascinating twist that we've seen with some really good companies on the show, and this could be another example. I invested by equity crowdfunding in a company called um, Blendtopia, which got acquired and um, I didn't make a killing on it, but I invested like a couple, I think I invested like $200 and they, the return was almost a thousand. It was pretty solid. Um, wow. <clears throat> yeah, it was it was awesome. Uh, but what I loved about the company was when I had them on the show, and they were like, "Here's you know, we're in Whole Foods. You probably are familiar with with them if if you've been to Whole Foods in the freezer section. They're little bags that are pre made uh, smoothies that you can just throw in your bullet and add a little bit of you know milk or yeah. water, ice, whatever." Um, they knew exactly who wanted who would want to acquire them. In fact, they pit themselves between the two that could acquire them and basically said, "What customers do these guys not have?" that we could get and what is their brand missing that is the reason that they don't get those customers and they laid themselves right in between them and it was like if we make this a go on our own and we we end up making so much money because we get you know RX bar is this year i believe they reported something close to 200 million in revenue uh, if they did call it 100 million in revenue with the margins they had they have the ability to start acquiring other brands and building and maybe you don't look for an acquisition at least at that point you start building the company if that happens great but if not, strategically, we're going to take care of these things, and then we're going to get ourselves acquired. From the sounds of things, Ryan, when I hear you describe the company, it seems to me that you're very aware of who you are and where you are in the market. What are the things that you're doing as a company to make sure that there is a potential investability there, or at least an acquisition target there? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the great things that some of the, the larger strategics um, bring is they bring distribution opportunities, um, ones that we possibly cannot tap into now. You know, they have direct store delivery systems uh, in place with different uh, networks that will allow, you know, expansion quickly. So now we're, we're really concentrating on proving that the model works on a smaller scale. So again, back to the 7-Eleven example. Here in Southern California, can we make this work at a thousand stores? And once we've figured out the methodology at a thousand stores, can we 
can we do that in other zones across the, the United States? And that's, you know, that's really the, the approach that we're taking here in the last year and a half or so. Very cool. Um, we're running up against a commercial break here. Uh, but I, if you could maybe give me one thing that you feel like you absolutely have to get right uh, with the money that comes out of this Republic campaign, what is that one thing you've got to get right? Brittany, you want to handle that or you want me to? Um, that's a big question, Ryan. I'm going to let you take it. Okay. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is back to, to product and production. You know, taste is everything and making sure that uh, we've got great products out in the marketplace and continuing to innovate. Things are changing so quickly, so we want to stay ahead on that uh, that spectrum of innovation. Totally agree. Where can people go to try and buy and get the product? Uh, probably two easiest places are directly on our website, buffbake.com. Um, also available through Amazon as uh, prime items. You can also find us, 7-Eleven, Select Whole Foods, Publix, um let's just name a few very cool uh, and by the way i want to throw in i actually love the name buff bakes is, is great and the packaging Thank looks you. really really fresh so uh, best of luck you guys we will be posting a link to this uh to the campaign on all things social technory or at katoon um and i'm sure you guys will be sharing it as well so people have, have any questions you. you can register and just ask the questions directly to these founders via republic thank you guys so much for coming on all right take care all right, folks, Bye. we are going to take a quick commercial. We're going to come back. I left a little bit of time for anyone who has text questions or calls. I'm going to read a couple text questions that I've got on Twitter, DMs already. Uh, we will be back right after this. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. This is the final final frontier. I've got three questions that I, I got off of Twitter um, that I'm going to try to answer one at a time. I'm not the right person to answer, at least one of them for sure. Um, and also, I want to say, uh, if you, is leading up to this, if you like this and you want to listen to the the deep dive conversations, particularly as it pertains to content and things, I had the co-founder of Netflix on my show, Mark Randolph, not that long ago. You can follow Technory Podcast wherever you do your podcasting, particularly on Spotify. It's very convenient and easy and free. Um, check it out. You should just follow Technory and you can look up Mark Randolph. It was an interesting conversation that leads into this content conversation that we've been having. Uh the first question is, this is out of order, so that's just the way my brain works, so sorry. Uh, first question is pertaining to the food uh, and and the, the Buff Bake company that just pitched on the show. I cannot answer this question very well, but I'm going to try my best. The question came in, why are all of these health foods based on nuts? I have a nut allergy. My wife also has a nut allergy, and ironically, she's listening to this show, which is probably the first time in about a year. Uh, thanks, Jen. Um, I have no actual idea other than to say that I don't think... Most of the stuff that goes into healthy foods that's not based with nuts tastes good. Like I, I just think that's it. Like if I think of all of the different bars that I've sampled that were not nut based, they are garbage. At least to me, I, I can't speak for everybody here, but it just tastes like garbage. And the nut is tasty. And for those of you who have a nut allergy, I apologize, but it is you're missing out. It is delicious. RX bar to me is so good because they have the alternate of having like a legit peanut bar which would be good no matter where you got it. Could be a Baby Ruth for all I care at that point. Uh, or having almonds in it, and it's like a fruit-based bar, but you still get like a little bit of texture that tastes good. Most of these things are just easier to have a clean protein when it's, when it's nuts. And so I, I really have no idea. I don't know how to make something taste really, really good without using a nut as a baseline, without adding all kinds of artificial things. You know, like RX Bar and a lot of these groups use, uh, use dates, I don't know about you, but the only time I eat a date is when it's wrapped in bacon. 
So, like, that's my problem. Uh, but that's kind of more of a personal problem. But the, the point is, I really don't have a good answer to you. I'm sure that there is one. Um, but I think if I were to just guess logically, I'm going to go ahead and say that, that just having nuts as a base is a cleaner, cleaner protein that actually does taste good naturally. The other question I got, which does pertain to this uh, and many other of the shows, we've got a new listener who said they were just curious about what actually takes place um, with regard to Republic um, and how it works. Pardon me. I'm like screwing this thing on. I guess I'll hold it. <laughs> um, so if you're watching the show on WGNradio.com slash on air, you can see me right now. The microphone fell off the stand and I'm literally holding this like I'm standing on a stage. That's so kind of funny. I apologize. Um, bottom line, it's really pretty simple. I think it's by design to, to be simple for retail investors. The terms, I'm going to use Buff Bake as an example. The terms are at an $8.5 million valuation. Amy Guth is coming up and taking a photograph of this because this is ridiculous. Um, if you were to have a company based at an $8.5 million valuation with a 20% discount, you make a $100 investment in the company. Two things can happen. Well, three things. We hope the third doesn't happen, which is where the company actually goes out of business. The, the first two things that can happen, in which case, by the way, you would not get your money, which is why I say don't invest money that you can't afford to lose. The first thing that happens is if the company gets acquired and there's money from the acquisition that's built as a uh, profit, then you would get essentially the conversion value towards the amount of money that was bought. So if you had $100 in stock, they'd give you 20% discount of what that $100 would be worth towards a share based on the amount of money that the company was acquired for. So in the case of $8.5 million, you can do the math on it. If the company was invested in and capped at an $8.5 million valuation, meaning that the company was worth what you invested in and or more, you would get the 20% discount towards the stock, which you would then be converted into, and you would still be a shareholder in the company, albeit maybe only $100 relative to others who have put you know tens of thousands or, or millions into the company. So it's a, a smaller amount. But in the example I gave you with the company that I invested in uh, and talked about, Blentopia, they basically got acquired at twice the value that I put my money. It was actually a little bit more than that. So I can't recall the exact amount of money I put in. I was like 200 or 250 and I believe it was 750 I took out of, which is not a huge amount of money. But if you think about six months later, it was acquired for about two and a half times the value of what I invested in at. That's how it works. It was converted plus a discount and I get the money. So it's, it's a pretty simple thing um, for you to do. I mean, if you, if you have the money, you don't, you know, you can afford to lose the money. Putting a hundred or two hundred or a thousand or ten thousand into some of these companies, and if they get an acquisition, you're being able to invest in a company that previously you probably couldn't have because you're not accredited. If you're accredited, you could do it that way and probably should. Final question before we burn out of the show here. This one I can answer, although I will have to make jokes. Um, somebody just messaged in here with all of the content and all of the streaming and all of the apps. Why is this not more simple? Why did anyone choose to leave cable? My wife and I were joking about this just last night and many nights before. Jimmy Fallon made a crack about it. He's like, if I were to take all of these different things and wire them all together, I would call it cable. Um, that's a great question. I, I think the only thing I can think of is it's another way to squeeze money out of people. It's another way to take the power away from the cable companies who are kind of running things. It's a way for tech companies, selfishly, to create their own monopoly. Uh, away from the clear channels of the world and and the Time Warners that had sort of the the AT and T's that have all this control over you. Ultimately, where this really falls is as a consumer. So I have YouTube TV. I like it. It's about forty nine dollars grandfathered in. If I want to add Showtime and HBO, I can. 
in the world of cable, it was such a pain in the butt to call your cable company and say, I want to cancel HBO for a month. They'd be like, oh, it's past the billing cycle. Uh, you're going to pay $14, and that's just it. And then you sit there. And then they hike the bill up on you nonstop. Whereas a subscription, they have to notify you, and you can opt in and out. I go in and out of my YouTube channel and plug and click Showtime and HBO and NBA League Pass on and off throughout the year. So I'm paying month one month is really heavy because I want to watch a bunch of stuff, and I know the next month I'm, I'm off because I don't want to. And meanwhile, I pay outside of it for the apps that I particularly want to watch. Like I'm going to subscribe basically blindly to the Quibi app just out of general curiosity. But I think that it's going to be something that's super, super interesting, and it enables me to buy something and try it and then get rid of it. So cable sort of puts you in this, this little jail, and all of these other things which look like cable just decentralized give you at least some options. That's the only thing I can say. So it's greed on one side, and it's creativity meets uh, opportunity on the other side. That is the best way I can answer that question. For those of you who are listening, I appreciate it so much. We enjoy the show. If you like this show, check out the podcast on Spotify. Follow me and or Technori at Technori or at Katoon on everything else. Boom. That's a wrap.